The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I find this unbelievable. Rav Dessler, Rav Dessler, um, he, he moved to London in the 1930s. And um, he moved out of Europe. Whatever reasoning, it's a whole story, but he moved out of Europe. He moved to England. He moved to London. And his family, finally, he brought them after a few years, he was able to bring them over. His wife and his daughter went back to visit Europe, on a, just to visit family, in 1939. Not a good time to be in Europe. Now, what they write over there is that they thought, you, you know how like we think that Russia right now, they're fighting with Ukraine. We think that the war should hopefully be over at any second. So back then, they thought the same thing. Like, any minute, this whole war is going to be over. So yeah, you know, you can send them over there. He didn't see his wife and kid for another six years. That the Gehenam that his family went through was unbelievable. The story over there of how they had to escape Europe, really not put. They ended up in Australia. All these, a crazy story. One day, Rabbi Dessler gets a letter with an envelope telling about how they're doing. And back then, letters that are sent with pictures had like a certain kind of stamp on the outside or kind of an L.A. You can tell there's photographs inside. It had been already five years that he didn't speak to them or see them. He would get a letter maybe once every few months. His neighbor sees that, that the mailman came with that. So the neighbor comes over. The neighbor knocks on the door. And the neighbor says, now this is how I understand. Like the, the story says that he just, well, you'll see. But I'm saying it from the outlook of a neighbor who came over. And he said to him, Rabbi Dessler, how... How is your wife and daughter? What do you mean? He's like, well, I just saw that the mailman dropped off a letter with pictures inside. How is your wife and daughter? He said, I don't know. So what do you mean you don't? You, you have the letter. He said, yeah, it's sitting right over there. It's sitting right over there on that table. He said, Rabbanisham, why haven't you opened it? He said, because, because my 10 minutes haven't passed. He said, what? He said, back in Kelm, a very long time ago, I made a decision as a yeshiva, we accept it on ourselves that any time we really want something, we're going to wait 10 minutes. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the self-control? He hasn't seen him in all those years. But he decided, I have my 10 minutes. You see, between your seeing something and your hearing something, Today, you can make a cheshbon to say, I'm going to get out of the bil'am way of hearing things or seeing things where I go and I just make up stuff. And before you react, I think 10 minutes is very long. But before you react, you can decide, you know what, for the rest of our trip over here and for maybe for us until Tisha B'Av, like Reb Meir was saying, the 21 days that we have, I can wait three minutes, five minutes, and stop and sit and think, what is actually happening right here around me right now? Did I get it right? When that girl said something about me or when I saw that si- something, did I get it right? Am I okay to go into react to Emma? Give yourself five minutes. Somebody who makes a cheshbon now, and the cheshbon is simple. Think of all the times you thought you were right and you were so dead wrong. Think of all the times that you thought you reacted correctly and it was absolutely the most darkened, the most 
ill-advised, the, without any kind of knowledge, you just went and shot from the hip. It was something so terribly bad that if you could only turn back time, if you only had those three minutes to have reacted, how you would have reacted so much better. I was just in Eretz Yisrael. I've been there for four years. I got to spend time with my Rebbe, Rev Berkowitz. These past four days have been unbelievable. Last week. Rev Berkowitz gave us one share on exactly what you girls have been listening to on the bus, choosing to be happy. And Rev Berkowitz said a personal story. I, I've been his student now since 2005. I haven't heard him say this story yet. He said, you all should know I grew up in a happy home. Okay, Rebbe, thank you. He's like, I grew up in a very happy home. Okay, he's like, no, but you don't understand. He said, my father, his father was a child during the Holocaust, that as his family were being schlepped towards the trains by the Nazis, Berkowitz's father hid and he ran away, and as like an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old child, he was living in the forest and living on the streets. Nobody took him in. He was starving for years, years as a child. Meanwhile, Roberkowitz's mother actually went to the concentration camps. And years later, she would tell how each one of her siblings were torn away from her and murdered by the Nazis. She watched each one of them die. He said the way that his parents met was that after the war, they were both by a distant cousin's house. They were related like very distant cousins. And they saw each other, two broken people. And his mother said to his husband then, I said to his father, she said, look, I came from the war, you came from the war. Let's get married and I'll take care of you. That was their date. He said, okay. He said, from that moment on, he said, the children were born. He said, we lived in the happiest home. He said, I never knew. I never would have known. Had they not told me, I never would have known. It was always so happy. He said, and then when my mother died, when my mother passed away, by the shiva, my father, who was, I think then he was probably in his 80s, my father looked at me and he said to me a line, said with Berkowitz, that I didn't realize how penetrating it would be. He said to me, you know, I have every excuse in the world to be miserable. But I choose to be happy. Happiness is a choice. Rick Brickwood said that his, his father's body started shutting down on him. And they had to bring him into an old age home. And his children, Rebberkowitz's own children, the grandchildren would go and visit all the time. And one of the people over there said, it's so nice you visit your grandfather. And they said, so nice, we come because he's the funniest person. It's so much fun to hang out with this 92-year-old man whose body doesn't work anymore, who, need, who, who needs somebody else to feed him, he needs somebody else to bathe him, but he's so full of life, he chooses to be happy. In this young age now, or even in our older age now, if we should decide to take those three minutes and say, Whatever I saw or whatever I heard, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the reality. Because you know what the reality is? It's your happiness. It's your choice after those three minutes to say, what is happy? 
what will be the outcome in which at the end of this, I'm smiling, the other person's smiling. That's reality. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.